He's going to take his rightful place on his throne at the right hand of God the Father. He's going to send his spirit to come to us and dwell in us and live in us, those of us who are believers in Christ. He's going to put his spirit in us. His spirit's going to move us along, guide us in all truth, comfort us in our sorrow. And so all of those things are taking place as Jesus is ascending back to the Father. Here's what Jesus says, his last words to his disciples. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Now, when you see this and when you see what Jesus is doing all around the world today, people just like us are meeting in churches just like this or in home churches or they're in different settings. But the church today, 2,000 years after Jesus said these words, the church continues to thrive and to grow and to expand. Have you ever wondered how that's possible? I mean, do you know of any other organizations or companies that have lasted for 2,000 years? There's not many out there. Like, I don't see us looking 2,000 years into the future and being like, oh, I bet Google will still be hanging around. Amazon's going to be a world player in 2,000 more years. I doubt that would be true, Right? And so when you think about the church and you go, Jesus' church has continued to thrive, continued to move forward for 2,000 years, and it's not losing any steam. It's not losing any ground. In fact, it's picking up. And things are happening all over the world where people are being drawn into relationship with Jesus. How is that possible? Well, if you're taking notes this morning, either on your app for our church app or if you want to do it on your bulletin, here's a couple of things you can write down. The first is this that the church of Jesus thrives across the world for two reasons. Number one is the mission never changes. The mission never changes. There's not some change-up that's taking place. There is a one solid mission, go and make disciples. That's what Jesus left us with. Now, how we do that may change over time. The methodology that we use may be different over generations, but the how or the why is always the same. Why is the church of Jesus thriving? Because of one mission, go make disciples. Here's the second thing. Because Jesus is in charge. Jesus is in control. Why does this thing keep moving? Why does it keep picking up steam? Why, after 2,000 years, are we getting more and more followers of Jesus Christ? Because He's in control. This isn't about us. This isn't about, man, I mean, things are going great because we've got an awesome pastor, or we've got an awesome youth ministry, or we have a great building, or we have a, a really amazing children's ministry. None of those things are why the church continues to move forward. The church continues to move forward and grow and thrive because Jesus is in control. He said in, in Matthew chapter 28, the verse, verse that we read, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. All authority. It's not been given to you and me. We don't have all authority. Jesus has all authority. And so what Jesus desires to do is to grow his church. He told his disciples, I have all authority. Therefore, transitional statement, right? Since I have all authority, here's what I want you to do. Go make disciples. And for every Bible-believing, gospel-centered, Christ-exalting church, the gospel continues to move. Disciples continue to be made. The church continues to thrive because we have the same mission and because we have a God who is in charge of everything. And he said, go and do this. In fact, if you look back some, some uh, earlier... Um, that we would need to understand is this, that in Matthew's gospel, Jesus was having a conversation with his disciples. Uh, in Matthew chapter 16, if you want to turn there and look, but he's having a conversation with his disciples. He's taken them to a place called Caesarea Philippi. Caesarea Philippi was known for being a place of emperor worship in the Roman Empire. 
It was also a place where a lot of idols were worshipped. And so it was just a very pagan place where people would go to worship all kinds of different things. And Jesus intentionally takes his disciples to this place where people worship all kinds of things. And he starts to have a conversation with his disciples about who they think he is. Because here's what you and I need to understand. What we believe about Jesus is the most important thing about us. What you believe about Jesus is the most important thing about you. Whether you're a Bible-believing Christian and you're all in, I am excited about Jesus, I'm on track with Him, I'm making disciples, I'm growing in my faith, I'm studying the Word, I'm going on mission trips, I am bought in. If that's you, great, you're there and what you believe about Jesus motivates all of those things that you do in your life. If you're agnostic or atheist and you're like, I don't even know why I'm at church this morning, but here you are. And so thanks for being here. But if that's you, if you're kind of going, I don't know, is this stuff real? Is it not real? I don't understand. What you believe about Jesus will determine everything you do in your life too. If you believe there is no God, you're going to live as if there is no God. If you believe Jesus can't handle your problems and save you from your sin, you're going to live as if Jesus can't handle your problems and save you from your sin. What you believe about Jesus is the most important thing about you. And so Jesus takes his disciples to Caesarea Philippi. And he sits down, Matthew chapter 16. He says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, verse 13, he asked his disciples, who do people say I am? Who do people say the Son of Man is? And they replied, well, some say John the Baptist. Others say the prophet Elijah. Still others, Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. So Jesus is held in upper echelon status here, right? These are the big names. If we like Hollywood actors and entertainers and all that kind of stuff, Jesus would now be in the A-list in Hebrew culture. And so they're saying, you're right up there with the best of the best of all the people that the Hebrew people have to offer. That's who people think you are. And so Jesus asked them another question. What about you, verse 15? But what about you, he asked. Who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah. You're the Son of the living God. And Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you're Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Now check this out. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. All authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. If that's true, what does Jesus desire to do with his authority? He just told us. You're Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. Right? And so he says, here's, here's what I have. I have all the authority in the world. God will let me do whatever I want to do. Do you know what's number one on my list? I'm going to build my church. I'm going to make sure this thing happens. I'm going to make sure that all around the world for the rest of eternity, for the rest of time as man knows it, before Jesus comes back, for the rest of time, the church is going to grow and it's going to thrive. And he says, Peter, here's the deal. On your confession, now a lot of people read that verse and they go, he said, you're Peter and on this, church, or on, on this confession I'm going to build my church. A lot of people think that he's talking about Peter. Hey, Peter, I'm going to build the church on you. You're going to be the leader of the church, the founder of the church. You're going to take it and go new heights with it and all these kinds of things. He wasn't saying that. He's saying, hey, Peter, you just made a confession about who I am. And on that confession, I'm going to build my church. For the rest of time, as people find a faith in Jesus and say, you're the Messiah, the Son of God. I'll put my life in your hands. I'll build my church. That's how God builds his church. He builds it through people that will put themselves under his authority and say, all authority has been given to you. If you're building your church, I want to be in with you. 
And I will place you in my life at the very center as Savior, as God, as King. And so that's what Jesus is looking for. And for us, that's what we need to be about, is we need to, to be people who are saying, I will follow after Jesus, and our job as disciples is to follow Him in faithful obedience. And so you kind of come back to this idea of the illustration in Elf, just like Santa said in Elf. All right, now we just finished a great year, and it's been awesome. We're going to celebrate some things, but let's get ready for next year, right? And so we're turning this page in our budget year, in our calendar year, and our church is going to take a next step forward. But as we're turning a page, before we move forward, the thing that I think the elves missed out on in the movie is that they didn't take long enough to celebrate. Like Santa came in and said, it's been a great year. And they kind of went, yeah, it's been a great year. Let's get ready for next year. Okay, let's get ready. They didn't stop and just go, let's, let's hang on to this moment for just a few minutes at least. So this morning, I want us, before we start casting vision for what's coming next, I want us just to take a few minutes and celebrate. I want to celebrate some things with you because God has been doing great things here at Grace Fellowship Church. So I want to recap a few things. Number one, I want us to to focus on just for a second the staffing of our church. Uh, This week, we got to celebrate Andy Malcolm being on staff with us for one year as our Connections and Small Groups pastor. How awesome is that? Uh, Andy's been an elder at our church. He's been at this church for a long time. His family's been here. Uh, But he's been on staff with us for a year, and he has helped us go to new places that I would have never thought possible two years ago. Andy's been a vital part of the success and the growth of Grace Fellowship Church, and, man, we're grateful for you. Thanks so much for what you do. It's incredible to serve with you, and I love you. Uh, So that's exciting to have a year to celebrate of what Andy's done. Uh, Here's something else we get to celebrate. A couple of weeks ago when we were worshiping together at at Allendale Mansion and we had our outdoor worship service as part of Fun Fest, we introduced you guys to Kyle Thurman as our new worship pastor. And Kyle and Micah are here today. And so we're excited that you're here. They made the long journey from Hot Springs, Arkansas to move into their new apartment. And so, uh, man, we are excited that you guys are here uh, when Phil told me uh, several months ago, hey, man, I, you know, I think we need to start looking for something else. Phil's been our part-time youth pastor for three years, and we need to say thank you to him and to Joey as well. The job those guys have done over the last three years has been incredible. And so uh, we just want to say thank you to Phil. I don't know if he's in the room or not, but we can clap for him anyway. Um, and those guys have filled a major void for us that was, it has been awesome. And under their leadership... But uh, a few months ago, Phil came to me and just kind of said, man, I've got a lot of things that are going on. I just don't know if I can continue doing this uh, in the same way we're going right now. And, and so I think it's time for us to start trying to find something, something else. And he said, I have, I have two criteria. It's got to be somebody shorter than me and that's more musically talented than I am. And he thought in saying that that I would be like, oh, man, we're never going to find that. Like, you're incredibly musically awesome and look how tall you are. Like, I mean, um, but I was like, hey, I have just the guy in mind. I mean, Kyle's like five feet tall. And so... Uh, and, and he's way more musical than you are. And so um, Phil was like, oh, oh, you've already got somebody. I was like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, he's ready. And so um, so anyway, man, we're so glad that you guys are here, and we're excited to welcome you to our faith family and excited to have you coming on board with us. Uh, here's another great staffing thing that we get to make you aware of today. Uh, for several months, um, our church has been without a student pastor, and we've been looking for that, praying for that role meeting with, with different people, and, uh, and just about a month ago, God really started leading us in the right direction as we've waited patiently for His timing and His person. And today I get to announce to you guys that we are bringing Nathan Ellis on board to be our part-time youth pastor. Nathan's here with us this morning, and uh, incredibly excited to have him on. 
Nathan grew up in Kingsport, is a graduate of Dobbins Bennett High School. Uh, he works right now at North High School as a math teacher with freshmen, so pray for him. Um, he also is working on his master's degree in counseling, Christian counseling, through Liberty University. Is that right? Through Liberty Online. And so incredible guy, and he's going to pour into our students. I can't wait to see how God's going to use him and the volunteer team that we have. It is so, so exciting to see what God's doing to build our staff team up. One of our core values is team. And we believe that for a church to function well, it needs to function as a team. And God's bringing the right people at the right time to the right place. And we couldn't be more happy about that. But let's celebrate some other things. Let me celebrate just for a minute. Everybody's favorite topic to talk about at church, money. Let's celebrate our budget, right? And so this past year, um, last year for the first time in our church's history, we exceeded our budget in giving. We gave more than the budget required, which was incredible. Then our budget jumped up about 11% this year, and we kind of look at that and went, that is a major faith step. We just had a great budget year, but what are we going to do this year? How's God going to guide in that? And all year long, we're like, are we going to make it? Are we not going to make it? What's it going to look like? And the worrier in me, this is when God goes, hey, remember that part about me building the church? You can stop worrying about that stuff. Just give it up, right? And it's my job to build things up and take care of things. Guys, this year, with our newly increased budget over last year's budget, you as a church gave almost $16,000 above the budget requirement for this year. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Thank you so much. God is so good and so faithful in those things. And as we act and walk with Him in faithful obedience to say, this money's not about us so we can buy more things and have nicer stuff and bring more people on. This money is about how can we bless other people. That $16,000 over budget doesn't even take into account the $25,000 you gave to our Generosity Sunday. So really, overall this year, we gave over $30,000 above what our budget was, almost $40,000 above what our budget needs were. That's incredible, church. It's incredible. And I couldn't be more excited about a church that's full of generosity. And here's why that's important in a lot of ways. And here's why I think as you look behind the scenes a little bit and go, what's God doing? Anytime God gives abundantly above all that we can ask, think, or imagine, you should probably look at it and go, why? Why is he doing that? Why is he blessing us in that way? Well, here's one of the reasons that I believe God's giving us some, some flexibility in our budget. A couple of months ago, or about a month and a half ago, we had a family meeting here at the church. Everyone was invited. We understand not everyone could, could come, but we made a big announcement that night where we told the church, and we're telling you today if you have missed this, that we've entered into negotiations with the Moose Lodge to purchase this building and to make this our full-time home and to be able to do things here where we're able to grow in this building, where we're able to continue using it for the ministries we already have and to expand our ministry reach, to be a church that's ministering out into the community, not necessarily to have more chances to call people here, but to use this as a platform where we send people out. And so we want to be about being people who are going to go on mission with Jesus. But we believe this building allows us to do things that are incredible for God's kingdom. Some of them we're already doing. We're using this building on Monday nights for Young Life throughout the school year. We have dozens of kids that come here and hear the gospel who are largely not churched, unsaved teenagers in our area. But they come here and they hear the gospel. We feed 200 homeless people each week through our, our kitchen ministry for next supper. And so we're always using our facilities to send food out and to help take care of people's needs. Tonight we'll begin hosting Family Promise, which is a ministry that houses people in churches who are currently homeless. They're looking for jobs and looking for places to live. And so for the next week, we'll be the housing facility for these families. We're going to have four families who are going to be here this week, 12 people total, that we're going to get a chance to pour into and love and serve. 
So we're using our facilities for all of these reasons and more. Women's Bible studies and men's Bible studies and all kinds of different things. And we can't wait to see what God's going to do next as He's giving us the opportunity to start purchasing this building. Uh, the next thing I want to celebrate is discipleship. Uh, we have a core value of multiplication in our church. And 2 Timothy 2.2 2 says this, The things that you heard from me say in the presence of many witnesses and entrust them to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. And so we're always receiving gospel. We're always receiving scripture. But the purpose of that, according to what Paul says, is that we're supposed to then turn around, give that to other people, and let them spread that same information so that the gospel can continue forward. Well, three years ago, we embraced the call as a church to be a disciple-making church. And now we're in the third generation of being able to see people who are followers of Jesus, who have been discipled, who have made disciples, who are now making disciples. And so we're in that third generation stage now of people who have said, I've met with people, I've been discipled by them, I've invested in someone else, now the person I've invested in is getting ready to disciple someone else. This is how the church continues to grow. Therefore, go into all the world and make disciples. That's what we're about as a church. Now, some of you might sit there and go, you know what? We talk about being disciples a lot around here. I'm actually kind of tired of it a little bit. I mean, could we do something else, talk about something else? And the truth is, no, we can't. Because this is what the mission is. Go and make disciples. Now, we'll equip all throughout the year in a lot of different ways, but this is the calling. This is what Jesus said for us to be about. Can you imagine if Jesus said, go make disciples, and we went, let's become a Chick-fil-A here at our building. Let's do that. Let's serve people meals of chicken. Some of you would be like, that sounds like a pretty good deal to me. It would be a pretty good deal, but that's not what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to go and make disciples. And so I'm excited about the discipleship that's taking place all around our church. Many of you in the room right now have either been discipled this past year or have started making disciples yourself because you've been following in faithful obedience to Jesus. And you can't wait to see other people get that same call in their life to make disciples of Jesus. Here's some highlights that I want to just point out, some other things to celebrate that may get unnoticed sometime, but they're worth celebrating. And I love some things that are happening in our church because some of our core values are to be authentic and to be externally focused, some things to celebrate in this regard. I love seeing what, what's happening in our church. Uh, I love that, that after services, people just stand around and talk and fellowship together. I love that God's building a family of faith that loves to fellowship. Like it's in our name, right? Like we're Grace Fellowship. We should be good at this. And I love that that's happening. About four months ago, I had an, a, a former elder. He's not on our elder team right now, but he grabbed me out in the hall and he kind of put his arm around my shoulder and he walked me toward the doors. They were over here. It was after the service was over. And he said, hey, I want you just to look in there. And I looked and I was like, yeah, there's people standing around talking. And I'm not, you know, am I missing something? He goes, no, no, no. There's people standing around talking. I went, right. And he goes, that's awesome. That's what should be happening. Like we shouldn't be like, okay, church was good. It's lunchtime, let's get up and get out of here, Right. Like, we're supposed to be a family, we're a body, we're hanging out together, we're loving each other. And it's incredible to see that there's just a fellowship of faith and family atmosphere that's growing among our church. And I love that. I love that, um, that we're able to have difficult, messy conversations with people. Because people are difficult and messy, right? I'm difficult and messy. Sometimes people have to have conversations with me and go, hey, have you thought about not being as stupid as you really are? And so it's like, no, I've never considered that, thanks. Um, but sometimes... We just need to have messy, difficult conversations. And what I love about our church is that because we've built authentic community here and because we know we love one another, there are times that we can have those messy, difficult conversations. And sometimes we need to step into hard things. 
And I love that we have an elder team and a staff team that's not afraid of saying, and if, if there's something that's been done that you're hurting about something or, or we've hurt you in some way or there's an issue that needs to be talked about or, or whatever, let's, let's sit down and talk about those things. Don't let them go unsaid. Don't let them go unknown. Let's have the hard conversations. Let's talk through those things. I love that. I love that there's growing love and respect for people in our church because mature Christians should be able to love and respect one another in good times and in bad times. And here's what we're seeing right now. We're kind of riding a wave of good times. It's really easy to love people when things are going really good, right, Mary? That's an easy time to love people. And so we're kind of sitting on this wave right now where if we were surfing, we're at the crest of the wave and we're at the top and it's awesome and we're moving and everything's great. But as in life, waves kind of crash down at some point. And at some point, the good times will stop rolling and something bad will happen and we'll have to walk through a difficult time. And here's what I love about what we're learning right now while we're riding this great wave of love and respect for one another. I believe God's going to use this time that when something difficult comes along for the life of our church, that we're going to still be able to love and respect one another through those times. And that's what mature people should be able to do, right? And that's how we should be able to act toward one another. If there's something that's going on, we need to address it, we need to talk about it, but we're going to do it with love and respect, not in anger and, and hatred and animosity. And so we're going to grow. We're going to build in that way. I love that we have reformed a missions team that's currently meeting uh, a couple of times a month and setting a strategy for our church that you haven't been made aware of yet, and we're going to be presenting soon about the things that our church is supposed to be about as we follow after the heart of Jesus and as we go on mission with Him. They're working on goals for how we do that locally, nationally, and internationally, and how we take the gospel to our community, to our country, and to our world. And so we're becoming more and more of a church that's going to be externally focused in that way. Uh, our budget giving toward missions this year is going up by about 6%. And so that's an incredible opportunity for us to see how we're acting as a church. Not, we're just not talking about it, but we're going to use our resources and our money to support missions and to send people on missions and to do missions here and around the world. And so that's an incredible thing. I love that people are giving their life to Jesus and being baptized. I love that our children's ministry is thriving. I love that our student ministry is growing. I love that our next supper ministry is continuing to feed people. I love that, uh, that meals are being taken to people when they're sick or have children. I love that cars have been donated to people in our faith family this year. I love that there have been things uh, that have been done to go send people on mission trips to Kentucky, Nicaragua, El Salvador. There's so, so much to celebrate. So let's take a moment this morning and just thank God for all the things that he's done. Because we don't want to miss this moment of celebration to just say, okay, last year was great. Let's go on to this next year. Can we just, again, just thank God for the things that he's done? Let's just give him praise this morning and say thank you for all that God's done. It's incredible. Well, I want to go ahead now and, and take a chance to go ahead and look ahead to 2017-18. Because we have a consistent mission to go and make disciples. But as a church, we also have a consistent vision. And our vision is this, that we're called as a church, and every individual church is, has its own vision under the mission of going and making disciples. Here's how we state our vision. That we're to reach the unchurched by releasing people who love Jesus passionately and others irresistibly. That our goal as a church is to take the gospel to people who are not in church, who are not in a relationship with Jesus. How do we do that? By sending you out. By releasing people into our community, into our world, people who love Jesus passionately and love people with everything they have in them, that it becomes something that is irresistible 
to people. And as we make disciples, that happens more and more. The vision every year doesn't change. But the how is fluid. And so I want to talk through some things that are going to be the how for this year. If you look at Matthew chapter 4, verse 19, Jesus said this. He said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And so from that verse, we take three things in our church that we hold out in front of people and we say, this is how we go about releasing people who love Jesus passionately and others irresistibly to reach the unchurched. We're supposed to be on mission with Jesus in three distinct ways. Jesus said, follow me. So we're supposed to know him because as we follow him, we get to know him. Then he said, and I'll make you. He said, I've got something that I want you to do. I want you to grow from beyond where you are when you start following me to a new place. So there's growth. So know God and then grow in God. How do we do that? We'll talk about it in just a minute. And then the last thing he says is, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. He says, I'm going to send you out to go. And I've got a job for you to do. And it's a specific job. It's to make disciples, to be attractive to people, to take the gospel of Christ out to the world. And so he says, you follow me, know me, and I'll make you, I'll grow you. Fishers of men, I want you to go with me on mission. So I want us to look this morning for the last few minutes that we have together at those three things specifically. And the first thing is this, and again, if you're taking notes, just write some of these things down. When Jesus says, follow me, this is what it means. To be a disciple of Jesus, we have to know him. If you're going to be a disciple of Jesus, you have to know him, right? It doesn't matter who in your life that you're following after. If you want to be like someone, to emulate someone, you need to get to know them. What they like, what they don't like, what they do, what they don't do. And so Jesus is no different. If you're going to follow Him, you've got to get to know Him. So as we walk with Him, we deepen our faith and our obedience to Him. This year, we want to pay specific attention as a church to helping people know Jesus through studying the Word of God. And so our vision for this year is going to be all built around the Word of God as far as it goes with knowing Jesus. Here's how we're going to do that. We want people to read the Word of God daily. And then we want people to come and hear the Word of God at church. And then we want you to be in life groups where you're going to discuss the Word of God. And so we're putting a team of people together. Maybe this would be of interest to some of you. You'd like to engage with us in this. We're putting a team of people together that as we build our teaching series through the year and as we do our messages on Sunday... We want there to be passages of Scripture that go with daily Bible readings that we're going to put out to our church family so that you can follow along at home in your daily quiet time that you are reading Scripture, that when you show up for church on Sunday, we're going to talk about those passages of Scripture. And then as we talk about those passages of Scripture, you're going to go to Life Group and discuss how all of that works in your life. So you're going to go from reading God's Word to hearing God's Word to discussing God's Word. And our hope and prayer in all of that is that God's Word gets deep inside of you. Because here's a couple of things that I know with all my heart. One, the Bible is a textbook that we never outgrow needing knowledge from. That it's always there for us to grow and learn from. And then two, that when we think about our goal should be as Christians to be in God's Word until God's Word is in us. And so when you think about how you live out your faith, to say, if I'm having a difficult time with reading God's Word, keep reading it, keep reading it, keep reading it until it gets inside of you. And once it gets inside of you and and transforms you, then you'll be so hungry for it, you can't put it down. And so this year, we want to call people to read God's Word daily, to hear God's Word weekly, and to discuss God's Word in life groups. So those are the three components of our vision under that area. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I had a young couple in our church that called me about a decision they were, were making regarding some of their finances. They were getting ready to 
sell a house that um, they thought in some property that they thought they were going to make profit on. And they said, we've been reading through the book of Acts. And, and as we do this, we see in the church where, in the early church, when people would sell things or give things away, if there was money there, they would bring it to the apostles and give it to them for the use of the church. And we're just curious about how does that work out? What do we do? I mean, if we make money off of this thing, what, what should we do in regards to that? And I was just so impressed. They were going, we've been reading God's Word. And when we see what's happening, we apply it to our daily life. And now we have questions about how to live that out actively. And so we just got to have a great conversation about how do you put these things into faith practice. And I love that God's Word gets inside of us and it begins to transform us. Well, here's the next part of Jesus' statement. He says, follow me and I'll make you. So being a disciple means you allow Jesus to transform you. Because he says, if you come and follow me, I will make you something different than you were before. That's his goal. That's his objective in our life. I want to transform you from who you were outside of a relationship with God into what you should look like as a follower of Christ. So come follow me and I will make you. I'll transform you. So we grow as we're being changed by Jesus. And we believe the life change happens in circles, not in rows. Like it's great that you're here sitting in these rows this morning listening. We're really thankful that you come. But we believe that life change happens when you get out of rows and get into circles where you're in a small group with people, in a life group with people, and you're able to sit down and say, let's discuss what God's Word is talking about for my life. What's it mean? How do I apply this? How do I live this out? What's the truth that's there? And as you're sitting in these life groups and you're sitting in these circles and you're able to open up to people in authentic community, and you're able to say, man, there's some things that God's been teaching me and I want to share it with you, or there's some areas that I've really been struggling in in my faith and I need help. Or I'm experiencing some really great things, and I will celebrate that stuff with you guys. Life change happens when we get in those authentic communities, when we're in circles, sitting around in people's living rooms, homes, restaurants, whatever it may be, and just saying, let's talk about life following Jesus. And so we want to encourage everybody this year to be in life groups. And in just a couple of weeks, you're going to get a chance to sign up for those. But we want to structure our life groups. We hope every single person gets involved in life group this year. That it's a goal of ours that every person who attends our church is in groups. We want you to connect in that way. And so as you get into groups, here's how we're going to structure things this year that we hope will help you take next steps of growing in your faith. So three things in groups. We want groups to meet weekly and discuss God's Word and do life together. We want groups to fellowship monthly. That every month you're going to get together and you're going to say, let's just hang out and get to know one another and interact. Group life should be fun. It should be a good thing getting to know people and engage with people and hang out with people. So meet weekly, fellowship monthly. And when you fellowship, guess what else we believe? We believe that that is a great open front door for people who are not connected and engaged to church to get connected and engaged to church. More often than what we're not, than what we're finding in our culture today is that people will not accept an invitation to a worship service like this as readily as they'll accept an invitation into your home to come and be with other believers in that small group. And so you can use fellowship times just to invite your friends. Hey, we're throwing some steaks on. Come hang out with us. Nobody's turning down a free steak. Invite them to come, all right? And then we want to also not only meet weekly, fellowship monthly, but serve quarterly. We want groups to be about the mission of God here in our community that your group would adopt something and, and multiple times throughout this year that your group would say, we're going to go and we're going to serve. And this is a place we're going to go back to next month and the month after that 
and the year after that and whatever. And we're just going to continue plugging in and serving right here. So we want to see those things happening. And as those things happen, we believe that authentic community will be built and people will walk more deeply in fellowship and in respect with Jesus. So here's the vision, that we want to see people grow in their relationship with God and with people by engaging in authentic community where Jesus is the focus. That this is all about Jesus as the focus. Here's an um, illustration really quickly about being an authentic community. Um, a family in our life group just told me uh, last week, we were having dinner together, and, and um, they looked at me and kind of went, man, it's been so good to be back in, in life group. Uh, for a lot of time, we were in group together as both singles, and then once we got married, group life was important to us. But then we had a child, and we got away from it, and for like three or four years, they had not reconnected to group. And just this past semester, they joined our group. They reconnected. And, and at dinner the other night, they said, it has been like taking a breath of fresh air. It's literally like drinking a cold glass of water to our soul. And getting connected has helped us because we're walking in relationship with people. And we're being challenged in our faith. And we're doing things that are making an impact. And we've loved, we love seeing that kind of story. And here's what I believe. I believe that could be true of every single person in this room that when you get in those types of relationships, in those types of groups, that it changes who you are. So connect and get involved. Here's the last thing Jesus said. Follow me and I'll make you. Make you what? Well, fishers of men. I'm going to make you fishers of men. Now, the illustration went really well with Jesus' disciples because they were literally fishers of fish. And so he goes, I'm going to ask you to leave that job and come take a new job, and now we're going to throw nets out and we're going to catch people. And they're like, okay, that's awesome. Let's go learn what that means, right? For us today, we kind of go, fishers of men, that's a little weird. All that really means is that Jesus wants us to live an attractional life where we would, through the power of the gospel and the Holy Spirit in us and Jesus' message to the church, that through us that God would attract people to himself, that we would become like fishermen who are throwing out the gospel and trying to, to get a, a catch and saying, I, I want to take what I know about Jesus and tell you so that you're growing in your faith, so that you know God, so that you're growing in God, and so you will go on mission with God. So here's what that looks like. We want to encourage people for being on mission. Uh, being a disciple means we go on mission with Jesus throughout our entire life. That's what it looks like for us. To say we're going to be fishers of men means we're going to go on mission with Jesus. So for our community, for our church, here's what that would look like that we want to ask people in this church to say, I want to give time that I'm going to serve in my neighborhood. I'm going to see my neighborhood as a mission field. I'm going to look at people around me, and when somebody new moves into the neighborhood, I'm going to reach out to them. When someone experiences a death in, our, in their family who lives in our neighborhood, I'm going to go to them. When there's a need that I know of, I'm going to try to meet that need. I'm going to be in my neighborhood. Maybe you live in an apartment complex. Maybe you live in a, in a community. Maybe you, I don't know where you hang out. Maybe you're on 100 acres of land and nobody's close to you. Go, I don't know, buy cows. I don't, find some neighbors and help them out, okay? Do something creative and let God's love fly. I don't know, that's weird. Um, but when you think about all of these kinds of things, you go, I'm supposed to, number one, serve right in my neighborhood. Number two is serve in your community. Get engaged in serving in your community. Find ways to take the passions, the gifts, the, the desires that God has given to you and work those things out right here in our community. One of the ways that I serve, and sometimes people look at that and go, man, it sounds like I'm going to have to give tons and tons of time, and I just don't have time. I don't think it's that much. Here's one of the ways that I do this. I coach my kids' teams. 
And so what I do to serve in my community is I get involved with their soccer team or their, their basketball team, and I coach them. And, and as I do that, guess what I'm doing? I'm building relationships with the families of the kids who are on my kids' teams. And I'm just loving those families and serving those families and have a chance to talk to them about faith and invite them to church and, and all these different things that take place. But maybe that's not your thing. Maybe sports is not your thing. Find your thing that God has uniquely gifted you and called you to do, and then go serve in your community. So serve in your neighborhood, serve in your community, and then participate in short-term missions around the world, locally, globally, and internationally. So this morning I want to present to you kind of our challenge for, for, these, for this vision part of, of this with regards to, to being on mission with Jesus. And we're going to call this our 2020 mission. Everybody likes to have 2020 vision. A lot of folks in the room don't have 2020 vision. I see a lot of glasses. I'm sure a lot more like me and hiding your poor vision with contacts today and so I've been nearly blind since I was in second grade. I would love to be able to see well, but I can't. Uh, I got new glasses for the first time in 15 years last week. I've been wearing the same pair of glasses for 15 years because I only needed them at night. I take my contacts out for like an hour, watch TV, go to sleep. So what do I need new glasses for? They're expensive. Well, this year I convinced myself, or actually my wife kind of said, you probably should get some new glasses. And so, um, so I got new glasses, and the first day that I put those new glasses on, it was like having superpowers. Like I could see different colors and see through things, and it was crazy. Like the new lenses were unbelievable how crystal clear that was. And the vision, the clarity of vision is so important. So we all want 2020 vision, but here's what I want us to call our 2020 mission. That from this year until the year 2020, that I want to see every one of us have the vision to go on mission with Jesus. That you would do that nationally, locally, or internationally. And that you and I as a church family would agree and say, one of the important processes for us as a church to grow and to continue to move forward in following after Jesus is that by now, or between now and 2020, all of us are going to go on a mission trip somewhere. All of us are going to serve in some capacity. So here's what that looks like. Number one, it's about saying, yes, Jesus, I'll go. Just put your yes on the table. Then, when the Spirit of God leads you and says, hey, I want you to go on that mission trip, you can go, I've already said yes. I don't have to pray about that. My yes is out there. Yes, Jesus, I'll go. You let me know where I will go. The second aspect of that might be, go get your passport. Jesus might call you somewhere in a relatively short period of time for you to go overseas and serve somewhere, and you're like, oh, I would love to, but I can't. I have my passport. Go get your passport and be ready for Jesus to do something incredible in your life in the next three years to call you on mission to go with him. Maybe it's with trips we already take, Global Health Outreach to Nicaragua or El Salvador. Maybe it's the Kentucky family mission trip that we do with our students. Maybe it's something just around here. But whatever it is, be ready to go because God's going to start sending us. As we become more missionally minded and more globally aware, God's going to start sending us. And I want us to be ready for that. So that's our 2020 mission. We're going to have a place out in the halls where we're going to dedicate wall space to places where we can post about our trips who's gone on trips, and what they've been doing. And so we're going to hopefully have a whole area out in our lobby that's going to be dedicated to missions that will be able to show what we're doing in the world for God's glory. Uh, last illustration that I'll use, and this is somebody that just recently, um, I was talking to Scotty Dancy, and he's been uh, on mission himself over the last three weeks. It's kind of part of his job, but I still consider it a mission. Uh, but as a Young Life area director, he also leads camps during the summer for Young Life students. And so um, he's been, you're in Florida, right? Most of the summer, so that's hard working for Jesus, right? And so um, he was on mission in Florida, and um, but about a thousand kids came to these camps, 
And, uh, and in fact, Amanda Timms, who's over here with their family this morning too, is one of the Young Life volunteers for the middle school. And she took some kids from Kingsport down to one of those camps. And listen, you get big time points with Jesus if you take middle schoolers to Florida for a week, okay? Like crown with jewels in it, all kinds of stuff. And so you're already checked off the list there. But she took these kids. Scotty told me that over the couple of weeks, there were over a thousand kids that came to this Young Life camp. And over 300 of them accepted Jesus as their Savior during those weeks. Isn't that incredible? When, when you are willing to go and to say, Jesus, I'm willing. You use me how you want to. God does incredible, incredible things. So let's put our yes on the table, church. And let's say, when you call us, we're ready to go. Locally, nationally, or internationally, Jesus, my yes is on the table. I'll go with you. All right? So... The last thing I want to leave you with is this, the big question. Why do I need to know Jesus, grow in Jesus, and go on mission with Jesus? And the answers are simple. Number one, because I love Jesus. I want to be a follower of His because I love Him. All of this is birthed out of love for Jesus. And then number two, because we're helping people trust and follow Jesus. If we love Him, we're going to help other people trust and follow Him. That's what we're going to be called to. That as a church, we're going to help people trust and follow Jesus. Because that's our mission. Go and make disciples of all the nations. Because all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me, and I will build my church. We get to be along for the ride. And it's incredible to be a part of what God's doing. And I am blessed beyond measure to be a part of it with you. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I love you so much. God, I'm just grateful for this church. Father, as we celebrate today the things that you have done and the things that you will continue to do, we just give you honor and glory and praise. And so, church, I just want to ask you to take a minute and respond through these things this way. I'm just going to lead you in prayer. Will you just ask Jesus in these moments to help you to know him more this year through his word? Just let Jesus know. I, I want to be dedicated to being in God's word more this year than ever before. Jesus, I want to I want to know you. I want to know you through your word, and I want to know how great you are as I live in a relationship with you. And then just pray and ask God for opportunities to grow this year. Would you ask him to show you what it will look like in your life to connect to a life group and to plug in and to engage in those circles where you can live an authentic relationship with other people and grow in your faith? brave enough just to say, God, I will go on mission with you. Today, I'm I'm putting my yes on the table. And when you call and when you say go, I've already agreed, I'll do it. I'll go wherever you send me because I want to be on mission with you. God, thank you so much. Thank you for a church that follows after your heart. Thank you for people who are willing to stretch themselves and to, to step out of their comfort zones to follow you. We just pray that in the next year, you will continue to show your favor and blessings to us. We're undeserving, God, but you are good. And we thank you for your promises that you will build your church. And so we want to live in faithful obedience to you. We ask and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. As Joel talked about, Jesus said, as you go, make disciples. And this is a great song in closing as we send out. Um, just as us to have a prayer together to say that God, as we go, uh, let Christ be above and below and before and behind.
behind us. Let Christ be all around us. Stand and sing this song in closing.